Okay, well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast. I'm Phil, and I'm joined here by with my buddy Paul. Hi, hey, everybody. Paul. Hey, Phil. How's it going there, pal? Just great. Just great. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, just drinking some coffee. Yeah, that sounds some nice. De- some good decaf for the oh, afternoon. I could go for an afternoon cup of of regular. Uh, so, hey, we got another podcast here, just like the last one we did, where we are in two locations um, that happen to be less than a 30-second drive from one another. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm out of quarantine now for anyone who's checking, uh, who's been tracking along, and so I can go out and about. In fact, Paul and I saw each other, like, in person this morning for a, a little bit, but uh, our kids are still in quarantine, so they're at home. So, Christy Your and I kids. are working. Huh? Your kids, my kids, yes, yes, not not our kids, like us, but like me and my wife and kids who are up above me right now because I'm in the basement. We're still at home for like another week uh, until Braxton can go back to school and Paisley can go back to grandparents and all that stuff. So thank you, Zoom and the technology that we can do this remotely. It's wonderful. Yay! Yay. More Zoom. Yay Just for what Zoom. everybody wants. And I'm in the basement and the furnace is about to run. So we'll see if that comes through the mic or not. <laughs> All right. So what are we going to talk about today, Paul? So today we're going to talk about bum, 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 bum. climate change. And before some of you tune out, um, just hear us out, okay? Um, because we want to come at this from a Christian perspective and not a mostly a political perspective. All right. So imagine that you are a, a farmer and that um, you've had to move several times to, to find new ground to farm on uh, because other ground became unusable for, for producing food to sell, to produce food for your family. And so you've traveled to another location a couple of different times. And then this last time you have just left your family behind and went on to find other type of work because... There was no more opportunity for you to farm. So imagine that that's you. How would you feel in that situation? Chancellor, you probably feel pretty destitute, maybe even a little bit hopeless, wondering if your family is going to be okay, wondering if you're going to be able to find a job that's going to last more than a year or two and a job that will be uh, well pay well enough that you can support your family back home. Now that's probably not your case if you're listening to a podcast, but that's the case for uh, millions of people around the world. Um, Because whenever we talk about climate change, usually in the US, we don't think about who it actually affects. uh, Because climate change at the end of the day affects the most vulnerable, affects the least of these if you're a Christian, affects the the orphan, the widow, the poor, the poor farmer living in Bangladesh. Um, And doing some research for this, Bangladesh is uh, one of the countries that's being hardest hit right now because of climate change, because sea levels are rising. There's more flooding every year. So seawater on agricultural land makes it that you can't grow crops. And so farmers then move on. That land is becoming less productive. And so we're faced with uh, a couple challenges. We've got a growing population worldwide, yet we've got less land from which to produce food. Um, so we wanted to, to kind of lay the groundwork with that, that story and that idea, uh, instead of coming at, 
at this and saying, you know, the, the climate is changing. We have to do this, 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 and this. Um, because at the end of the day, most of us, whenever we're told that we have to do something, I mean, look at right now, COVID uh, and the whole mask thing, whenever that first came down, everybody was like, no, I don't want to wear a mask. And uh, when we're faced with climate change, same thing. We don't want to change our behavior because for some of us, that means a significant disruption of a way of life. Sometimes that means your employer, if you're employed in certain industries, um, you know, might be going away. So, so that's where we're, where we're headed today. We're talking about climate change. All right. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, when we came, I went over this morning to talk to you, you're like, Hey, I was thinking about this for the podcast. I'm like, Hey, that's a, a good idea. Um, simply because I've actually heard a little bit about, um, climate change in the past week in a mocking kind of tone, um, because it's been very, very cold. And this happens every single winter that anytime it gets cold, we get like a polar vortex or whatever that comes through, or just a really bad winter storm. I'll hear from multiple people. I'll see memes on Facebook or wherever and people talking about, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, wind chill of negative two today, a darn global warming. Um, and so yeah, I, I heard some of that this past week and it's, it's almost just a way to um, flippantly not have to talk about uh, the issue. And I, I don't think it's actually people uh, intentionally being like malicious or anything like that. I think it's just a way that's that we can dismiss something and not actually have to address it because I mean, that's just like a defense mechanism or whatever for a lot of things. Like if I can make a joke out of something, that means it's not serious and we don't have to talk about it in a serious way. Um, you know, as we were talking earlier, it's like, well, see, I mean, even there's like a willful, willful ignorance to refer to it as global warming because like in the scientific community, people that talk about this, it's not called global warming anymore. It is climate change um, because it's not just of oh, things are getting warmer. It's that there's weird weather patterns and weird weathery climate things happening places that it shouldn't be happening. Case in right, point. I mean, climate. Go ahead. Uh, climate scientists refer to it as global weirding uh, a lot of times yeah. because just the, the weird weather patterns that aren't predictable anymore. Yeah. Um, um, case in point, whenever there's like right now, you know, we talk about, well, it must not be global warming because Texas is like frozen. Okay. No, that's definitely not a warming thing, but that's not normal. Like that shouldn't be happening in Texas. Um, and they're facing like some serious, like major problems now. Uh, people are dying and losing, mil there's like millions of dollars of property loss and different things like that and all kinds of stuff on, on that whole topic. But it's just weird it's just weird weather. It's things that shouldn't happen. Um, and, you know, we talked about some of this, just even the way that we can remember weather working when we were kids, which wasn't that long ago. We are getting old, but you know, 20 years ago. Ooh, holy cow. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago, we are getting old. It's just, it's so different. It's so different. Like we, you know, as we were talking about winters, right. That we always used to have snow, like, all winter long. I can remember as a kid, pretty much every Christmas was a white Christmas and snow stayed on the ground from like November, December, all the way through March. Now it's like, I mean, we get, we don't, it doesn't like the snow season here now doesn't really even start till February. It seems like, right. It's just weird. 
It's just weird. Yeah. Um, so Phil, I wanted to just comment on a couple of things that you said there, you know, talking about what's happening in Texas and people dying and, you know, people that are most affected by this, you think about who those people are. It's the elderly, it's the poor, the, those that can't afford, or maybe don't have the, the means for transportation to go to a warming center. Um, you know, the fact that pretty much all of Texas is, is frozen right now, um, is, you know, the result of climate change of that global weirding, um, and the effects that it's having of, you know, normally Texas doesn't freeze. And so there is, you know, political volleyball going on right now of people you know, trying to place blame on, on certain people and people placing on, you know, it's the renewable energy sources. We need to burn more fossil fuels. We need to do this. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's the energy company's fault. When it, like we know from everything, it sounds like it's a very complex issue that yes, there are certain people who maybe most of the blame belongs to them, but at the end of the day, it's, it's more than just one individual or just one company. Mm-hmm. Um, but those that, that willful, uh, perhaps ignorance to ignore, uh, the science that has been, it's, it goes back more than 150 years, of people recognizing that the climate was warming when we should actually be in a global cooling trend. Now I know this winter, you know, right now everybody's like, yeah, you know, things are really cold, global warming. Well, think about what a Northeast Ohio winter should be or what it historically has been. Yeah. While it's been cold for an extended period of time, it really hasn't been that cold. We haven't really gotten below zero at all this year. We've gotten close, um, but not really any weather below zero. And that's kind of unusual. And so from, you know, if you're looking at like, um, if you're, for me, I think in, sometimes in horticultural terms, uh, in terms of like plant zones and, and hardiness zones, which is based on the average annual minimum temperature. Um, and so, you know, our winter this year is like, that of Tennessee, perhaps. Um, it's like a zone seven instead of zone six or zone five is what, you know, we should be we're actually zone six, but, um, so we're, we're having a much milder winter than, and that's been the case for many, many years. Um, talking about some of that, you know, that anecdotal evidence of just looking back over the course of our life. One of the things that you said earlier, Phil, is just thunderstorms and the, yeah. the rain, the rains in the spring, um, and the rains over Africa, um, I bless them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Um, just how much more intense the showers are. They're like a summer downpour instead of just a nice, gentle spring rain. You know, we don't really have that anymore. It's more uh, flood the streets um, and then it's gone. You know, yeah. I'm just thinking, you, you talked about like agriculture at the beginning. I feel like I see that a lot more now too, is in the springtime, just how many, how much farmland is just underwater because we just get these torrential downpours versus, you know, you hear people talking and we need a good soaking rain, you know, just a nice, steady, easy for a couple of days, but it's just like, it just comes down like crazy and it all runs off and settles in low places. And yeah, so it's, that, that none of that is certainly scientific data, but I feel like as we look around just with our eyes, it's like, yeah, the weather's different than it used to be. Now, it's a whole different conversation of, you know, okay, is that a bad thing or not? It's a whole different conversation over like, well, how much are humans responsible for that or not? Um, but something's definitely 
um, something's definitely happening. And you know, I did kind of joke, I'm like, you know, a lot of people that will like, will make these kind of sarcastic jokes about uh, global warming or climate change tend to be a little older, um, like our parents' generation, or maybe even like grandparents or that in between. But they're the same people that I'll see posting pictures of like the blizzard of 78. Where were you when the blizzard of 78 hit? And there's like this picture of a person standing on snow, touching a stoplight. And I'm like, you know, those don't happen anymore, right? I mean, that was an extreme example. Like we didn't have blizzards like that all the time, but when do we ever have snow events like that? It just, it just doesn't like, so just tangibly or just like to the, the, the eye test tells you, okay, it, things are different. Things are different. So, right. Yeah. The yeah, question is though, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Paul. No, go ahead. I was going to say the question is, uh, like I said, we're not talking about the science because there's all kinds of science we can talk and that's not really our area. Um, what, what's, what's the follower of Jesus? What's that, their, our response? Like, how, how do we, how do we live in light of, I mean, not even just climate change. I guess we're talking about creation care, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about creation care. Yeah. Um, so a couple things, um, you know, regardless of whether or not you agree with uh, global climate change, uh, the truth remains is that we can all at the end of the day agree that things are different, that they're not uh, you know, the way that they should be or the way that they once were. And so perhaps that should cause us to maybe consider, um, you know, what could be going on and to perhaps consider, um, you know, the effects that these weird weather patterns are having on other people. So a couple of things that, that stand out would be, um, you know, just going back to looking at it from a theological perspective before we get into kind of like a Okay, here's what we should do. Let's go back and think about, um, you know, climate change. The fact that the Bible doesn't say that it can't happen. It doesn't say that it, you know, is happening. And the Bible doesn't doesn't really care um, because when the authors wrote scriptures, they weren't thinking directly about climate change. But I think part of uh, the Christian aspect of it is we've lost our, the Jewish understanding of creation and our relatedness to it. You know, in Genesis, we are told that we are created from the dust. We're created from the same stuff that everything else, all the plants, all the animals are, are created from, but yet God has created us different and given us, um, a certain task. He, you know, we're, we're told to, to rule over, uh, and subdue the earth. And then a lot of times that's taken to, to the extreme. I mean, okay, it's my job to, to rule, to abuse, to misuse creation because I am, in a sense, God, when at the end of the day, Scripture clearly states that we are not God. Um, you know, God creates in us the, his image, his likeness. He allows us to create, but at the end of the day, it reminds us that we are still not God. And so we've misunderstood that aspect. Uh, when the Jewish people really understood their connection to uh, the bigger creation, I think part of that, just um, in addition to maybe some some bad theology, is just we aren't connected to the land anymore. We don't have to to work the land for our sustenance. Yeah. And so we forget how the rains, how you know everything affects what we do. Um, it's easy just to go to the store and and pay a price and not really think about where that came from or who was involved in and growing that product for us. Yeah. Like so that's we're, been we're, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. So that's just, it's just weird. Cause that's been something that as humans, we're very, I think like short-sighted, like even into the past, it feels like we've been buying things at the store forever and kind of, I mean, we kind of have been, you know, I mean, how long we've been able to readily go to the grocery store. It's been a while now where you can just go and do that. But in the grand scheme of like humanity's existence on earth, that's a really new phenomenon. And I think we lose sight of that, of just at any other point, you know, like in human history, the thought of like, it doesn't matter what we do to the earth. It never would have crossed their mind because they were so connected to it for their survival. We're still connected to it for our survival, but most of us are so far down uh, the consumer chain that we don't realize that. Um, so I said, yeah, the, the way that we live now in our minds, it's like, it, it, it's almost like we think it's always been like this, but it, it really hasn't. It's a very new way of existing on the planet. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, we misunderstand, um, our role in creation and we abuse that position. And Phil, you were saying earlier about the idea of, of serving, of sub like ruling over. Yeah. So the, the terminology that's used in Genesis, you know, it says to rule over, um, you know, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and, you know, rule over the land, fill the earth and subdue it. Those terms have been so hijacked to me be terrible things like remove any kind of context. If I say go and rule over someone, instantly, like we pretty much all have a negative picture of what it means to rule over. And I think some of that is just a human history of, it seems like the majority of the time when anybody is in a position of power, they, they use that power for what's best for them at the expense of somebody else. And so that's what we picture of ruling over. It's this, this negative picture of like holding power over someone or something for my benefit, doesn't matter who else it hurts. Um, but we've got to reframe in our minds as followers of Jesus, what does rule over mean? Um, and we, we run everything then through the filter of Jesus and how did, how did, what kind of a picture did he paint? And, you know, there's a time when he's talking with the disciples and he's giving them this picture of like, what does it look like to have power and leadership and, and these different things? He says, well, you know how the, the rulers of the Gentiles, what they do with power, they lord it over those um, that, that are under them, but he says, but not so with you. And he says, instead, you need to be a servant of everyone. Um, and that's a perspective then, like this kind of servant perspective. I think we, we, we think of that in terms of um, going in, like doing service projects and serving people. And that's a good thing, but it's a, it's a whole like full life kind of thing. You know, it's, it, it encompasses every area of life. And so reframing what, what, the, what was the picture that Jesus painted of power and ruling over and the example he set and the teachings that he gave, which was, okay, be a servant. It's not about what's best for you, but what's best for others. And how do we bring that back then to our original calling as humanity to be the image bearers of God and to rule over creation? Well, it looks like being servants over um, creation. So we serve other people, but we serve the created world as well. Not like in the sense that we serve it as in it's our God, but like we, we're not looking to pillage or to use it for our own advantage because we're constantly thinking about what is best for the other and not ourselves. Yeah. In another area of scripture that 
you know, we see that that idea of serving is actually in the book of Jonah, when God talks about Nineveh and saving, you know, saving their animals and caring for their animals. And that God's desire is that, that we would be good stewards, that we would care for all of creation uh, in a way that reflects his desire, his concern that brings about flourishing mm-hmm. uh, for creation. And so part of that then goes into the next idea is that we've misunderstood the end uh-huh. um, of, you know, the, the big idea is we have the wrong eschatology. So the wrong view of end things. Um, and so a lot of times that comes with this idea that is, is unbiblical, that God's just going to burn the world in the end, that it's all going to be destroyed. Burn, and baby, this, burn. This new world is going to, you know, come down out of heaven. Uh, yeah. And that's not at all the, the biblical idea. The biblical idea uh, ends like it begins. It ends in paradise with a creation that's been renewed, that's been restored. Um, so we, we think that, well, it doesn't matter what I do with the earth, with the resources here, because... God's going to destroy it all in in the end. Whenever we have the other perspective that we are part of remaking this earth and that, yes, we're going to fail. We're going to to still misuse um, resources, but God has given us authority to help bring about that flourishing, to bring Eden, um, you know, that God space and human space, like we see at the beginning of scripture to bring that uh, to fulfillment at the end of time. Yeah. I think that bad eschatology one, it, it affects like so many areas of like faith and theology and how we live lives when we have the wrong picture of the ending of the story. Um, but I think one of the reasons that it's, it's, it gets that way is because we disconnect it from the rest of the story. And so we, we take that idea of what's, what's the end going to be like? And I don't know why certain sections of Christianity get so obsessed with that, but they do. Um, and we read like, we're going to read into Daniel and we're going to read heavy into revelation and, and maybe sprinkle in a couple little bits and pieces from the other prophets. And, and we form a picture from that, not reading those texts though, in light of the whole story, the beginning, right and where it's going. And that's why getting back to those first couple of chapters in Genesis are so important. And the idea of the the creation that God made, the calling he gave to humanity, um, which was rule and reign in his image. And then, you know, God's space and human space are overlapping in the garden. And that's how it was intended to be. And that's where it's moving someday. Like seeing the whole picture allows us to reframe and go, oh, okay. So God's not going to just burn this whole thing and wipe it all away and just be like, okay, now you guys can all float away to heaven someday, or I'll just snap my fingers and make a brand new creation. It's, it's, it's renewing. It's um, yeah, it's rebirth. It's, it's yeah. So it's almost like a, a Christian version of, of fatalism. That's like, well, oh well it's genesis 3 so we're living in that now okay yeah yeah it's all it's all gone to hell in a handbasket screw it (laughs) when actually we're called to live out of you know genesis 1 and 2 Mm pre-fall and that that state where god and humanity lived in in harmony and brought flourishing to creation we're called to, to live out of that instead of out of the Genesis three mindset, you know, Genesis one and two, you know, the creation was good. And the Genesis three mindset is creation is bad. And 
God's creation is still good. It's not perhaps as good as what it could have or should have been, but it's yeah. still good and, and beautiful. And see that that's starting with the right point in the story because man, I've I've heard like been around so many Christians and teachers and different things. It's like we start well, not just talking about creation, but the humanity's condition, all these things. We start from from Genesis three. Everything's terrible. You're terrible. Sin, bad. Wah. It's like, but wait. You, what about the first two chapters? Like that's the starting point of the story. Yes, something went wrong, but that's not where we start. Right. Um, oh man, I had something and it's gone now because I went on that tangent. Oh, okay, yeah, got it. So uh, as again, if, if you're a follower of Jesus as, as Christians, what the other thing that we realized too is, you know, we had this picture of Genesis 1 and 2, how things were supposed to be and it was supposed to, that wasn't the the final product though. I mean, like God packed the world full of raw material and Eden was nice and ordered and everything, but the rest of the world was, who knows, you know, uninhabited, unexplored, just, I mean, unordered still and humanity is supposed to go and fill it and bring about the, the beauty and the flourishing. And, and so then where, where the biblical story ends in, in revelation, it's not a garden anymore. It's this picture of, of a city. Um, and, and God and human space overlapping and the, this idea of the kingdom, the kingdom of God being fully uh, here. Uh, like it's here right now, uh, but, uh, but right now there's also the, the, this competing kingdom of the world. But as, as followers of Jesus, we're called to live like the kingdom is here now because it is. And we are citizens of that kingdom. So we, we live out of the reality of the, like the future kingdom that will be fully here eventually that is here now, um, even though that's not what the world around us looks like. And so I, I don't understand why we sometimes we draw these lines or have these categories where it's like, I'll live like the kingdoms here now um, in certain aspects, but in other aspects I won't. And I think like care of the creation is one of those aspects where it's like, well, wait, if we're living as, as if the kingdom is here now, like, was this the way we're going to treat like the renewed earth is like, is that what we're going to do? So we, we kind of, we, we kind of tend to, to pick and choose on a lot of things. Right. And also, I mean, so many tangents that we get on, but that, that has so much to do with um, the version of Christianity that we've gotten into, uh, you know, evangelicalism, especially in America, that is just like all about, the only thing that matters is personal salvation. Like all this other stuff doesn't matter. Don't talk about the kingdom to talk about creation and new creation and justice. And, and nope, it's just about, are you saved? Is your soul going to heaven? It's like, well, what does that even mean? Like the Bible doesn't even use that kind of terminology about your soul floating away to this heavenly kind of place. So it's all intertwined of a misunderstanding of the story. Right. So now as a result of, of that, um, trying to come at scripture from that perspective of living, um, in a renewed creation in a pre-fall state, um, and in following the way of Jesus, you know, we're reminded of, uh, you know, the, one of the verses that comes to mind is Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, um, reminded of, you know, Jesus's command, uh, to, to love the sick, uh, the needy to, you know, to, to seek, to, to seek mercy, to, you know, to love justice, to, I just butchered that to 
to seek justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Um, trying to, to pull up the one verse here. Um, Matthew 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Um, so that idea of, of trying to care for the least of these. And so maybe that doesn't mean that we're going to tell you, okay, you've got you've to stop driving your car. You've got to start bicycling. You've got to stop eating meat. You've got to stop doing all these things. Rather, I think the, the Christian perspective would be, okay, what does it look like for me to love the least of these today? Mm. How do I, how do I best love the least of these, you know, on the other side of the world that are being displaced because, you know, the, the sea levels are rising and they yep. can't feed their family. And so they've got to move their family. How do I love the least of these, yeah, um, even in Texas that are being displaced because freezing temperatures, because they can't afford a generator or they can't afford, you know, to have certain luxuries that other people have. Yeah. And recognizing too, it's complicated. Like, cause because of the state of the world that we live in, things are broken and there are no perfect solutions. Um, you really have to nuance things and you've got, and it's, it's hard. It's, it's a lot easier to just take a party line and say, well, here's what I believe about this. And that's that. Um, but like understanding that anything you do potentially is going to disadvantage another group. That's just the, the nature of the world that we live in. So, you know, really taking the time to figure out, well, how, how can, we, you know, minimize that or whatever, you know, you said, give up eating meat. And it just reminded me, I saw an article today that somebody shared that was like, basically give up beef and eat beans. <laughs> that if everybody in the United States stopped eating beef and just replace that with bean for your, your protein source, that we could reduce emissions by such and such an amount. And I'm like, so that, and that's one of those things you're like, well, that's nice in theory, but now you're creating an entirely new category of least of these people because you just wiped out an entire industry um, of, of like, you know, beef producers. So right. that's what I said. It's, it's, it's complicated. Um, but in, and when we start talking about like, you know, the science and the, the studies and the politics of it and all of that, and those are all, those are all different conversations. Um, but I think what both of us would hope you take away from our conversation today is across the board on everything, how do I love the least of these that Paul keeps uh, talking about? And then also it, it's in our calling as humanity to care for uh, the creation and how we do that caring for creation and how we love the least of these, it's going to look different and it's going to look different from situation to situation. Um, but we've got to commit as followers of Jesus to like put in the hard work to figure it out and to do it. Right. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for today. Thank you for joining us for another podcast. Make sure you subscribe to make sure that you never miss a thing. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button um, and also hit the bell to subscribe. Ding. Uh, leave us a rating review. If you've got any questions or any suggestions for things that we should cover in the podcast, uh, you can leave us a comment on YouTube or email us at info at hopecommunityonline.org. Right. And we'll see you back here next time on the Bye, everybody. podcast.